the Colts might just have a new leading receiver this year, and it's not going to be the guy that's about to start making $20 million a year either. Let's get to it. You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. This is your daily podcast covering your Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Jake Arthur, and he is Zach Hicks. You know the two of us from HorseshoeHuddle.com. I'm your resident credentialed media member for the site, uh, bringing you the day-to-day scoop from the facility, from training camp coming up starting next week. Uh, and Zach is just the most handsomest devil in the film game that there is. So welcome to the show, everybody. And today uh, we're going to be debating and talking about some either or type of things. Uh, we did an episode like this last year that you guys really seem to like. Uh, so specifically, we're going to look into who's going to be the Colts leader, leader in receiving yardage between Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce. Uh, that debate, I think, is probably a little closer than we might realize uh, whether Quiddy Pay or Samson Abukum are going to have more sacks this year. And then Zach and I are just going to kind of surprise each other with some more rapid fire, either or would you rather type stuff. So uh, we'll get to that here. Uh, first up, so Michael Pittman Jr. versus Alec Pierce. And I'll say last year we did this and it was Alec Pierce as a rookie versus Paris Campbell, who had never had a complete season before. Mm-hmm. And I was referred to as a dum-dum by some people in the comments <laughs> picking Paris Campbell. And lo and behold, he was the leader. Uh, but this year, I think it's a lot more, I think it's a, a really good debate because you look at the style of offense. Shane Steichen wants to push the ball downfield. Anthony Richardson, if he's your primary starter, that's something he has really been comfortable doing in college. Uh, that's Alec Pierce's bread and butter. We've seen that with Pittman before when Carson Wentz was under center, but mostly he's been a guy that averages really more around 10 yards a catch throughout his career, basically. He's been more of a chain mover. Um, So what do do you think on this one? Is it going to be Pierce or uh, Michael Pittman who leads in receiving yards? Because I'll, I'll let you get to the point about receptions. I don't think that one is as close. No, no. Now, do I want to go for the tougher one? Do, do I want to, you know, do I take the layup here or do I, you know, take the contested three? Let, let me think speak, about speak this. your truth. Speak your truth, buddy. You know, you know, I, you know, I'll be I'll I'll be the gutsy one this time. I'll go with Alec Pierce. I think I actually okay. went with Alec Pierce in this challenge last year. Um, yeah. And the thing is, I think both are going to be fairly close to each other throughout the whole year. I think it'd be, you know, around 800, 900 yards. I mean, hopefully. Alec Pierce is able to get up to around 800, 900 yards and Pittman, you know, he'll be his typical 900 to a thousand yards receiving like he always does. Obviously it's a phenomenal season for the Colts. If Pierce gets up there to that 800, 900 thousand yards, Uh, it's probably more likely that Pittman does it, but I'm going to take the crazy chance that Pierce is able to get up there solely for the fact that he is such a big play wide receiver. And we kind of really didn't see that much out of Pittman last year, given his role did change quite a bit uh, with, whatever the heck was going on with the Colts offense last season. Uh, Pittman Jr. I think only had like three targets over 20 yards last year. He was really not used down the field where Alec Pierce, it was a little bit more. I think it was like 17 targets down the field. 
had multiple catches past 20 yards, uh, big time highlight plays against the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tennessee Titans, the Washington Commanders, and obviously the game winner against the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, where he was just beating guys off the line and then using his speed to get down the field. Now you insert a quarterback where if Anthony Richardson's starting the entire season, that quick game is not going to be as efficient as it was last year. So that kind of hurts Michael Pittman Jr. But the deep ball game might be a lot more efficient and a lot more plentiful. You know, there's going to be more targets down the field, a lot more opportunities for a player like Pierce, where, yes, I think Pittman Jr. going down the field can be pretty effective as well. But this is Alec Pierce's bread and butter. You know, get him on that backside, three by one sets, throw the jump ball to him, let him go up and get it, let him outrun players. Uh, and that's what Anthony Richardson is going to be good at from day one. You know, so the short ball and, and the kind of precision passing that Michael Pittman Jr. has been getting the last couple of years to get himself up to a thousand yards, that's going to be taking a step back. But the outside, the deep balls, the the vertical passing game to Alec Pierce is going to be taking a step forward. So. Yes, I, I think the easy answer here is Michael Pittman Jr. He's consistent. He's reliable. He he gets those thousand yards each of the last two seasons. Uh, but Alec Pierce, I think, is in for a big time sophomore jump. Uh, I actually just talked to him today, actually, uh, on a 20 minute phone call. Uh, really, really good things. I liked a lot of what I was hearing and kind of what his process is this offseason after last year. Uh, and yeah, I think if, if they really do get this vertical passing offense like we expect, we get that going with Anthony Richardson. I think Pierce could surprise some people and be close to a thousand yard wide receiver in year two. I, I think it's pretty likely. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's something that's really far fetched. Like uh, I asked Reggie Wayne about Alec Pierce back during the spring and OTAs and stuff. And he had a lot of really good things to say. Uh, just mainly, you know, obviously his body, he's, he's getting more of an NFL body. He's like filling out a bit. He's added some muscle. Uh, but Wayne said just his attitude, like, he just seems a lot more comfortable. He's not worried about being a rookie and like fitting into doing this and that. Like he's one of the guys now he is comfortable. He's just in it. And I think when it gets to that point for young guys, that's one reason you see such big jumps from some guys near too. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't be surprised, especially you consider he should be a guy that averages about 15 or so yards per reception by season's end. So yeah. he's definitely not going to finish with as many receptions as, as Pittman. Um, but you know, the, the he's probably going to get more, a lot, more, a lot more deep ball opportunities. And, you know, what we've seen from Pittman before with the downfield stuff, especially with Wentz, he did have a lot of downfield wins, but they were mostly contested catches. You know, he wasn't beating guys off the line and leaving them three, five, six yards in the dust, you know? Um, so he's winning those contested catches. And I would think someone like Anthony Richardson should be able to lead a receiver a little more downfield, um, <laughs> So maybe we don't see that as much from Pittman, but with Pittman, you just obviously look at the volume, like he's going to be, he's going to get the most targets, you know, just in these last two years, since he's been the leading receiver, he averages 93 and a half receptions for 1,003.5 yards and five touchdowns. So those are leading receiver numbers on most teams. You know, it's the Colts aren't the Eagles where they have AJ Brown and Devonte Smith, both having a hundred catches and 12, 1300 yards, whatever. Um, so as far as we know, Pittman is still going to be that guy that sees the highest volume of, of targets. Um, one thing I like in his favor now is I, I think the Colts passing game really can't get much worse than it was last year. And I think <laughs> it really can, can you say it can? I don't know that it we, can. we said that going into last year after the Carson Wentz thing, though. Yeah, but Carson Wentz <laughs> wasn't like a corpse of a quarterback at that point, you know, like, but well, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> different show. We, yeah, rewind. Different we've show. we've had show. shows talking about that before. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think the Colts are going to have more threats in the passing game to take attention off of Pittman. Like last year, it seemed like if if the defense was taking the passing game seriously at all, it's okay. Michael Pittman is obviously the biggest threat here. Now, you know, if Jelani Woods has any sort of coming out party and is more involved in the in the offense, you have to worry about him. There's Josh Downs, you know, Pierce, obviously. Uh, I just think there's there's more guys to have to worry about. And while that does take more targets away from Pittman, probably it takes more coverage away from him as well. Um, so just assuming that he's going to still be the leading target because he's dominated those the last two years. It's not been close. Like That's why I don't think it's a question right now about targets. So I think that's the easiest reason why is just he's going to be the leading receiver. And I, I think the downfield passing game, will work a little better in his favor because it was really non-existent for him last year. Um, so the passing game in general should just be a little more lively. Uh, his downfield shots, even though they're probably going to be more contested and not leaving guys in the dust, I think that might be a little more successful. And like you said, though, I think it'll be pretty close. I don't think I don't think Pittman is going to have some huge gap in between his stats and, and Pierce because uh, I really do like Pierce's fit with Steichen and, and with Richardson. Uh, but I think Pittman is just really the easy answer. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I, I kind of said Pierce for the sake of this argument here, but I will mm-hmm. say, I think it's more likely in Pierce's year three, we start seeing him push yeah. more on Pittman's yardage number and, and overall production there. Uh, I think this next season will be something like, you know, Pittman jr. Around 950 to 1050 in yards. And Pierce will probably be around like seven to eight hundred and yards so fairly close but not super super close but um i just want to see more efficiency from alec pierce and obviously more efficiency from michael pittman jr in terms of taking down the drops and being a little more consistent from week to week but uh with pierce yeah it's just not hitting that rookie wall hopefully in year two now he's out of that grueling aspect that is the rookie season and all the stuff that comes with it uh he can actually be more consistent and more efficient from week one all the way to week 17 where last year it was more of you know we saw a really good stretch from like week three to week eight. And then he kind of fell off a little bit down the stretch last year. Yeah, definitely had that rookie wall there. Watch, we say this and it's going to be Jelani Woods or Isaiah McKenzie somehow. There we go. Um, But uh, so here coming up next, we're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball. Who's going to have more sacks from the bookends? Is it going to be Quiddy Pay or Samson Abukum? But if you're like me, this conversation in general is just really getting the the fantasy tingle going. You know what I mean? And uh, so it's it's time to talk about a little fantasy football because, I mean, I'm sure some people are already having their drafts. Uh, and our partners over at eBay Motors have teamed up with our very own Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football to bring you guys some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Uh, again, whether you're prepping for drafts right now, scouting the waiver wire already in dynasties, uh, whatever, uh, they've got you covered right here. So with all that underway, Vinny has actually picked out someone for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Football Picks. He's going to give us a little secret, little uh, smash and dash of what you can do in your drafts here. If you guys are looking to make a smooth turn in fantasy snake drafts, which means last pick in in a particular round, first pick in the next round, uh, the perfect one-two punch this year is going to be the Colts' very own Jonathan Taylor, followed up by the Browns' Nick Chubb. So... Everyone knows in fantasy, if you don't get a running back within the first couple of rounds, you're probably hoofed when it comes to having a leading running back. 
and you might as well go zero RB at that point. But if you can come away from the first two rounds with Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb, you don't even have to worry about anyone else until the mid mid to late rounds after that, really. Uh, so when it comes to Taylor and Chubb, Taylor's a perfect rebound candidate in a more run-friendly overall offense with the Colts. And Chubb is also set up to dominate with more of the combined workload in Cleveland. No Kareem Hunt to Ernest Johnson. That is all Nick Chubb's bag now. Uh, Vinny from Locked On Fantasy is going to help you guys win your championships. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit, which is honestly the same for your vehicle. With eBay Guaranteed Fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shock struts, you name it. eBay Motors has got it. And they'll make sure that it's the right fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank that AC, and say goodbye to sweating in your ride when it needs a little fixing up. Because now you know that you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And every day, or bring me back every single day, the next couple weeks, all the way throughout the entire season, Five episodes a week talking Indianapolis Colts training camp, all the biggest stories, and Jake Arthur enter, enters his uh, Michael Bublé Christmas era where really he's just the most talked about thing in all of it. <laughs> when Mariah Carey comes out of the ocean for Christmas time. <laughs> yes, me. that is Jake in Colts training camp. And all you all you wonderful everydayers are going to want to set your alarms bright and early all throughout training camp to get the news, updates, and analysis. All right, Jake, so we're getting on to our next topic on today's show where we're debating Quiddy Pay versus Samson Abukum. Who's going to get more sacks? And I think what's really interesting with this conversation is we're not really debating pressures. We're debating sacks. You know, we're debating the Yannick Ngakwe pinnacle of stats right here. The only stat that matters. That's it. For, for Yannick Ngakwe, the sacks. That's the only thing that we're looking at here. So, I'm personally going to go with Samson Abukum for this, and okay. and we can we can debate this one out a little bit because uh, when you initially brought up the the topic for this, you had Quiddy Pay against DeForest Buckner, and uh-huh. I was like, no, 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 let's make this interesting. <laughs> Samson, you got to get your guy, yeah. And the reason why there's two reasons why one. Abukum's coming off a really strong year with the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, it wasn't a ton of sacks, but a lot of pressures, a pretty good win rate, uh, doing some really good things on that Niners defense. Uh, but two, you know, when you look at the the way this defense is set up, you know, that Leo position that Samson Abukum is going to play because Quiddy Pay is going to be on the other side. He's going to be more of that strong side defensive end. Yes, they'll both be out in, in uh, wide nines, but Quiddy's going to be on a lot of stunts and twists that are to set up things for DeForest Buckner and other pass rushers. When you look at the Leo position that Samson Abukum is going to be at, that's a very advantageous spot to create sacks and to create pressures and, and to off of uh, things like that. Yes, they're playing against the left tackle on that side. It's a little bit tougher uh, playing against the left tackle theoretically. Uh, but 
on that side, you know, he's going to be more isolated. He's going to be more backside. The more pressure, there's going to be like more guys pressuring from the right side. So there's going to be a lot of moments where the quarterback is rolling to the left to get away from the three rushers on the other side. And that's when you roll into guys like Samson Abukam or you roll into Yankengakwe like last season. Uh, so I think Abukam is going to be benefiting when it comes to sacks by just having guys rolling into him, running into him. Obviously he's a really good uh, pass rusher when it comes to just threatening the edge and getting depth in the pocket. So he's always going to be right there for when that quarterback is trying to roll out of the pocket. Uh, but also again, he's coming off a good year. He's a good pass rusher, really strong player with long arms uh, and really does a good job again of pressuring that pocket. So I think he's set up to get more sacks, even if it's not like a, like a super, super productive, like top tier edge rusher, thing and not and quitty pay might outperform him as, as an edge rusher but i think when it comes to sacks you know bookham's in a really good spot here to just come away with a lot of them uh just in terms again of just guys rolling into them and, and getting pressures that turn into them i like how you came at that from the technical standpoint yeah you know, not talking about pressures or anything uh but no so okay so both of these players i would say are ascending especially quitty because this is only you know year three and the dude was an animal last season before, you know, that ankle injury really derailed things. And again, Bukum, I, uh, Bukum, I think, is ascending as well. This is, I think, year seven for him, though. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like it's probably a comfort level thing and, you know, comfort level finding your footing in the NFL, but also finding the right scheme for you. Because yeah. when he was with the Rams, I believe he was a stand up outside linebacker in the three, four primarily, right? Yep. So yep. This, he did kind of move around a little bit, but yeah, uh-huh. he predominantly was standing up in that three, four. Yeah. So I, I think this hand in the dirt is, is probably a little more advantageous for him, probably a better fit. Um, so at this point in his career, he is, you know, still getting better and everything. Um, this is another razor thin one. I think, I, I think he, I, w- I would bet comfortably that each of them would have eight to 10 sacks probably. Um, but I want to say that at least one of them is going over 10 this year and I'll say quitty. Um, so he is going to have some more muck to, to deal with for sure. You know, he's going to have more of the technical aspect. He's not going to have the clear path to the quarterback. Uh, but I just think as long as he stays healthy, you know, he's got that power that certainly helps. Uh, he's got, you know, the, the unreal agility as well. Um, I just think we were on our way to seeing it last year before, before the ankle injury. Um, so assuming health, which is always a dangerous game to play. I'm going to go with him on this one. Um, I'm just looking just at plain numbers. You know, uh, in two years, Quiddy has averaged five sacks and six and a half tackles for loss. Because uh, for me, I, I almost lump tackles for loss in there as well. Uh, Abukam averages 3.9 sacks and 4.7 tackles for loss in six years so far. Uh, so the numbers are just a little higher for Quiddy as well. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I think it's really looking good. I, I was really tempted to throw Dio into this as well. Uh, I don't think he's quite there at the level of those guys yet, but you know, Quiddy, I just think that relentless motor mixed with the strength that he's got and that agility. And I, it looks like he's developing some, uh, some better block shedding techniques as well, just from what I could catch on from near the end of his playing time last year. I like, it. I, I like his, his ability to not only beat a Bukeman sacks, but I think he's going over 10 this year. I'm going to, I'm going to put it at 12. Whew. Cool. That's okay. The, that's, that's health permitting, of course. Save these for the hot take article or for the hot take podcast, that's, Jay. That's come not, on. Now, if it was hot, I'd say he was going 16 or 18 sacks. No, it's hot saying 12. What's his career at total at right now? Is it even at 12? 10. It's a 10. <laughs> <laughs> 
Look, I, I love both these players. I think they uh-huh. can both be really solid players. I would be a little cooler on Sack because sacks are just crazy, man. Like uh-huh. sacks are both hard. Pl- like both players throughout their careers and especially earlier coming out were kind of dinged for not finishing. You know, yeah. they had the the pressure and everything. They just needed those sack numbers to go with it. Uh, so, I mean, do they iron those issues out? They have gotten better clearly in the NFL, but yeah, yeah, sacks are a little tough. I would put. I mean, I I pretty happy saying that they're like six to nine sack guys. You know, I would be really happy with eight to nine for either or both of these guys uh, this year. But all right, Jake, 12 sacks for Quiddy Pay. I'm excited. Let's hope that happens there. Uh, I think Abukum is just more like, again, if I'm projecting both these guys to be like somewhere between six and nine, I would say Quiddy Pay like six and a half sacks, Abukum uh, being around like eight because he, again, just people run into him a little bit more or yeah. he's be backside on play actions uh, where he can just do the Dio thing and tackle a guy as they fake the handoff and stuff and, like hey, that. And Gakwe fell into what, nine and a half sacks last year. So, I mean, there's definitely merit to what you're saying. But. Dude, in my head, Yannick and Gakwe had like 15 or 16 sacks. Like, it felt like he kept getting sacks. It's just, you know, no pressures or anything on top of that. But coming up, guys, we're going to do some fun either ors. Uh, Jake's going to hit me with some rapid fire ones. And we're going to talk, you know, some camp battles, some starts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Jake's going to throw them at me here in just a second. All right, Jake. So we got some either ors. What do you have for me, man? What, like, what, what are we going here? We're gonna have some fun with this. We're gonna do some crazy ones. Are you gonna keep them a little tame for me? Yeah. So we'll see. I think these are gonna develop. These are a little more off the cuff, and I'll save the the biggest and best one for last. But okay. Uh, okay. So here's one. So we've debated before. Not really debated. We've talked about Josh Downs versus Isaiah McKenzie. But we, I think we both really like Josh Downs. But who's gonna finish with more targets, Josh Downs or Jelani Woods? Mm, that's tough because if you look at Shane Steichen offenses, the tight ends get a lot of targets. Yes. Uh, now, given he had Dallas Goddard the last two years, so <laughs> Dallas Goddard's pretty darn good. But the guy has God in his name. Like, come on. Right, right. Glad or whatever. G L E D. But yeah, Dallas Goddard's one of the best in in the league, so it makes sense why he's getting targeted that much. But you still can't overlook that the tight end position is used quite a bit in Shane Steichen's offense. And then on top of that, you know, I just kind of talked about with Alec Pierce. Uh, Alec Pierce kind of had that that rookie season at wide receiver where you go from all of your training for the combine, you go through the combine, then you go through your pro day circuit, then you go right into training camp, then you go right into the season and you don't really get a break. So you see the rookie wall kind of hit guys really early, which we kind of saw with Jelani Woods too. Jelani Woods had some moments here and there, but it wasn't really that great of an overall season if you put it all together. Now Jelani Woods is going into year two where he gets a little bit of that break, a little more comfortability with uh, with just being an NFL football player where Josh Downs is that rookie who's coming into that, that tough first season where you're kind of going through all that stuff at once. So, man, I I've been really high on the, on the whole Josh Downs getting a ton of targets this year, but I'll lean Jelani Woods for right now, just because of all those factors right there, just because I think Woods is going to be more acclimated to the NFL, more ready for a big target load or downs, you know, I think they're, they're going to ease him in a little bit to start the year. And then there might be some of that rookie wall moments that we see with a lot of rookie wide receivers, but that's a great question. I, I could go either way there. And I want to let you, I want to ask you guys what you think about that one. Jelani mm-hmm. Woods or Josh Downs in terms of targets next year. Who do you guys think gets more of them in 2023? That's, that's a really, really interesting one there, Jake. Yeah. I like your pick. Cause Downs obviously has to kind of compete with Isaiah McKenzie for that slot role in general. And then you don't know where Ashton Doolin comes into it as well. And mind you, you talked to Alec Pierce this week. 
I saw Ashton Doolin at the grocery store this week and he looks great. <laughs> so we're really on the same level here in terms of our communication with these guys. We are, we are insiders, Jake. We're yeah, the, that's right. the most insiders. Ashton, what cereal getting, brother? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Up next, this involves another guy that you've been really high on. Who is going to be this? So, okay, Juju Brents and Kenny Moore, your top two cornerbacks. Who is this second outside corner? Is it Dallas Flowers, the incumbent? Or is Darius Rush just going to continue this hot streak he's had the offseason and he's going to claim the other outside spot? Yeah, I think it's going to be Darius Rush here. Uh, even though, again, they're going to be fairly similar in terms of draft like what was advocate, what was allocated to them in the draft? You know, we're talking about a day three guy versus an undrafted free agent. So it's not like the Juju Brents thing where Brents is going to get that first shot just because he's a higher pick. You know, Darius Rush is kind of on even playing field as Dallas Flowers. But from everything I heard in camp so far and everything that I know that you were at a couple of those practices, he was a little banged up for some of them. But uh, everything I've heard is Darius Rush was among the Colts' best overall players not just of all the rookies or the best. I mean, I heard he was the best player in all of rookie minicamp. Uh, but then when he was actually moving around with with the actual team, he was looking like one of the best overall players on, on the roster, uh, making a lot of plays on the ball, getting after it, looking super athletic, super long. And then when you look at you know what Gus Bradley really wants in his cornerbacks, he wants a cornerback that looks like Darius Rush more so than one that looks like Dallas Flowers. Dallas Flowers is a bigger guy too. Like I think he's like six foot as well. Like he's not he's not this small corner like five foot eight or anything like that. But Darius Rush, you're looking at six two, uh, you know, two oh five, two ten with super long arms, uh runs that four three. Like that is a Gus Bradley type of corner, a guy that you can trust on an island to to turn and run with wide receivers and not need that safety help over the top. Uh that's exactly what he can do. So if he continues what he's been doing so far and winning over coaches and winning over anyone who's watching any of these practices, like it's going to be impossible to keep him off the field. I really think he's going to go into camp and, and earn that spot. And Dallas flowers, you know, he'll settle in as, as a quarterback four, quarterback five, and as a pass or as a punt returner and stuff like that as well. So flowers will, will certainly have a role, but I think Darius rush is going to earn that, that other outside cornerback spot in camp. I like that one. I was bummed he had that hamstring injury. Cause I did want to see him out there for mandatory mini camp when, you know, what's he going to look like against those other guys? Unfortunately, did not get to see that. Uh, so this other one here. So let's see. I want to involve Nick Cross. Okay, so who is going to play more snaps? Okay, Jalen Jones or Nick Cross? <laughs> because Jalen Jones also had a really nice spring and that we've seen now, we know Gus Bradley's willing to tinker a little more with these safeties now, I think. But if you're not one of the top two safeties, you might not see the field. So who's yeah. going to have more snaps, Jalen Jones or Nick Cross? I know which one we prefer. Yeah. On, you know, which one would be better for the Colts organization? It would be Nick Cross playing well enough to get those full starter snaps, you know, to, mm -hmm. to take over for Julian Blackman. And then you get a young, super athletic safety that's on his rookie deal rather than having to pay a Julian Blackman and letting him, you know, test the market after the season. But man, I think because they rotate corners a lot more and because there's so much more uncertainty at corner, because even if we, if we can all sit here and say that the safety position on the Colts roster is not like phenomenal, it's still better than most of the position groups on the roster, just because you have Ronnie Thomas, who's played really well last year, Julian Blackman, who has played well for a couple of seasons at this point, like, you feel pretty good about those two players. 
And like you said, they don't really rotate the safeties out too much on this team. So you can't really count on Nick Cross just coming in as much as a fourth or fifth or even a third corner. I mean, who knows if Jalen Jones has a great camp and wins out that third corner spot. So I'm going to go with Jalen Jones, but I think, unfortunately, I think when we're looking at this one, it's going to be like a hundred snaps for one guy and like 80 for the other. Like it's really not going to be a ton for either of these guys this year, but I'm going to lean to Jalen Jones just a little bit because there's just more rotation at corner and a lot more uncertainty at the cornerback position right now. Yeah. It's that's one on paper where it seems like you would easily say Nick cross, but practically because of rotation, it just makes more sense for it to be Jones. And I will say like, we know who the starting safeties are going to be. If Blackman and Thomas are healthy all year, I would like to see them find a way to get Nick Cross involved defensively somehow, as long as he earns it, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, two years with that kid with almost no role on defense is, is probably not going to do well for his development, obviously. Uh, so the marquee question heading into training camp now, who is going to be the week one regular season starter at quarterback, Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew? Mm, man, it's really hard. It's so hard to answer this before camp because it really is going to come down to what these guys look like in camp. I'm honestly more so Richardson than Minshew. Like it really like Minshew could look like terrible in camp, but if Richardson doesn't look ready, they're going to throw Minshew out there uh, week one. That's that's exactly right. It's not about Minshew. It's about Richardson. Like, yeah, because we've seen bad, bad quarterback play throughout the summer lead to that person being the starter in the regular season. Right. I'm going to say that Richardson does enough in camp and in the preseason to where Steichen says, OK, I can draw up a game plan for this. Like, I don't think he's going to come out there and complete 99 percent of his passes or whatever throughout the camp and throughout preseason. I'm not saying he's all of a sudden going to be this super methodical and, and accurate passer. Uh, but I think he's going to show enough growth throughout preseason to where Steichen's going to say, OK, cool. I can draw a game plan where maybe he only throws like 20 passes a game at best but we're still able to have a game plan where he can go out there and, and execute it. So yeah, I'm going to say Anthony Richardson. I'm going to say he starts all 17 games this year, or hopefully starts all 17 games this year. Uh, let the young guy play. And as Jim Irsay said, you know, they, they really only learn by being on the field there. That's exactly where I'm at. Like the, the whole time we knew Gardner Minshew was insurance in case Richardson wasn't ready or in case they didn't get a quarterback they wanted in the draft. And again, I mean, Minshew's contract isn't one that demands start, starting time. So um, just from everything they've said, we've we've heard it said too many times that you get better by playing and, you know, every sort of variation of that phrase. And I don't think Richardson, I don't think he's going to show up being looking so bad that you can't play him. And something we talked about during the entire pre-draft process and everything is his floor is higher because of his running ability. As long as his passing isn't the worst thing we've ever seen, <laughs> like just like you said, I think Steichen is going to be able to come up with something to work with and get him on the field. Right, right. I completely agree there. And all you off, all you awesome, awesome. I almost said awful. All you all awesome you awful every day. <laughs> all you awesome everydayers. I can't believe I almost said that, guys. You can just destroy me in the comments. All you awesome everydayers. We're back every single day throughout Colts training camp to talk all about this team, all the news analysis. And we're just going to nerd out more about these either ors and would you rathers and stuff like that because it is training camp time. It's off season time. It's time to get excited. So if you guys don't already follow at Locked On Colts at Jake Arthur NFL and at Zach Hicks to all on Twitter. Also subscribe to Locked On Colts podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen to our podcast. We'd love your guys' ratings and reviews, and we'll see you guys bright and early tomorrow morning.